0: What is up everyone? Welcome to episode thirty-three of Mana Screwed. I am Tangent. With me as always is the Beamy.
1: Hello again,
2: everybody.
0: And of course, Jack.
1: Proving that you can indeed factually lower your standards.
0: Oh yeah, man. We're all about lowering right our standards bottom. here on Mana Screwed. <laughs> Oh, God. So, I think we're here to uh, talk some magic, so uh, just go ahead and kick back, relax, grab a beer, because you know I am, and enjoy the show. Uh, what do we got on the agenda today there, Robert?
2: Oh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, uh, Worlds, a little bit, a little bit about uh, Meriden, the Mirren Besiege products that are coming out. Oh, you know, Patrick Chapin, LSV. You know, fun stuff like that. Jack's deck for, uh, for Atlanta. Yeah,
1: here's a hint, folks. It's no longer fish because that deck sucks.
0: <laughs> well, at least you were finally able to come to terms with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I was sitting there and the cards actually started smelling like their namesake. And it, it was just too <laughs> much. It was time to put it down.
2: No, the problem was is you were just upset because our good friend is not in the Hall of Fame anymore and you're just... You, you couldn't play it anymore because he's not available to go on the Hall of Fame.
1: Uh, are we speaking about Saito here? Yes. Man, mm-hmm. yes, no. I mean, oh, no, 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 you're not tricking me into talking about him for a fourth <laughs> week. No. <laughs> Hell no. I said I was done talking about Saito last week. That is it. No more. We actually have a show with show notes, and we're sticking to them, I believe. I still think yeah. we should get
0: Saito on here, and then you can talk to him, and you can... Talk about him while talking to him. That seems like the best idea to me.
1: So I'm going to talk about him like in the third person and be like, well, if I was Saito, right? what I would do. Yeah. And of course he would be sitting there, but wait, I'm, I'm right here. No, 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 you're not on the <laughs> show. You take too long to respond, mister. <laughs>
0: exactly. <sighs>
1: okay, so you know something we should probably start off with? And it's, e- it's even right here at the top of the list, so it's impossible to miss. You know oh, yeah, that's right, we do. We we do actually have show notes. I I was impressed by this. I felt like this was a new development, and then Robert was like, no, really, we've been doing this for months. I find that to be suspect, however. (laughs) So, did you guys hear that there's already some Mirrored and Besiege cards and or products out? Oh, my. I believe
0: it. I don't believe it.
1: I I don't either. I mean, I, I can barely contain my excitement, especially since... The Devil's Advocate, i.e. Star City Games, has already taken pre-orders for these. Are they greedy? No, never (laughs) Star City Games, right? Okay, so there's already been two cards spoiled for Merit and in case you missed them. Um, Does anybody want to... Wait, now, are
0: these these better than the original cards that were spoiled? Because I remember the original cards that were spoiled were um, top-tier cards. Right,
1: top tier cards. Okay, so this is news to me, unless you're bullshitting, and I think that's like- likely as well. So. Oh, you know
0: about this. Come on now. This is during game day, those cards that you got. Yeah, you know about that, right? Like the, when it comes long into long play, you gain, or isn't it like you gain three life? I don't even remember because they were so good. They were yes, so good oh, that I forgot.
1: Yeah, he Strider and Pierce, Pierce Strider those exactly. Look oddly, phallic and have Pierce somewhere in their name. <laughs> yeah, uh, those yeah, cards. these are. I wouldn't say Oodles better, but at least they're playable.
0: Oh, okay. So these these are actually better. All right, what are they?
1: Uh, in theory, maybe? I mean, I I could definitely see myself playing perhaps the white one. Maybe the black one will gain some ground.
2: No, 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 no. The black one's awesome. It's a knight. It's a zombie. It's infect. It's every Timmy's person's dream. It has
0: far better protections.
2: And no, it's not, guys, because it's not
1: Coralash. That's how it's not every Timmy's dream. (laughs) Uh... I mean, if we're going to talk black knight zombies... And we're not talking about like Shaquille O'Neal, definitely Corlash. Sorry, yeah,
0: I love Corlash. I love him. I think he's amazing. But there's a better zombie than Corlash now in my opinion. That would have to be Geth. Geth is freaking insane. Oh like, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I love Corlash. And I love him in, you know, in my zombie deck, but I had to replace him as General after uh Big Head Joe pointed out how much better Geth is.
1: He's a 5, five. he's got Intimidate, he mills, and he steals crap. How can you not love him?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But I guess we're not really talking about those cards. We have to talk about these two, right? I, two guess. After.
0: I guess. I guess. So, what two do these three casting cost knights from Besieged do, Jack?
1: Alright, these amazing knights from Besieged. We have a white one and a black one. The white one is colorless white-white, and take a guess at what the black one's mana cost is.
0: Colorless black-black.
1: Oh my god, (laughs) Okay, so yeah, the Mirren Crusader, which is the white one, it has double strike, and protection from black and green.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like the uh, the, the creature box. Like, the, the creature type in the box there. Oh
1: yeah.
0: Do you see that? Human
1: Knight. Huh. Yeah,
0: yeah, but look at the creature type in the box that's actually written next to it.
1: You. Oh, 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 <laughs> oh, oh, oh mana nation had a typo. Mana
0: nation. Alright, so anyway, you were saying uh, he is a creature, human knight.
1: He's also a 2 2. I guess that's kind of relevant. I mean, like, he's got pro black and green. That'll help him out against, like, some different sorts of. Problems like some spot removal, and obviously the black green uh, poison decks aren't going to like them. Those crazy that, I mean, doom it's... blades. Yeah, I mean this guy's just really kind of meh, though.
0: Yeah, I mean the the protection from green is fairly irrelevant. But... Yeah.
1: I mean this guy, like if future leech was still legal, he would be the entry anti junk card, and that would be it.
0: So, do you guys feel like this is going to make the uh the knight from m eleven that's got the the indestructible that makes your other knights indestructible? is that going to make them relevant or are they still just a bunch of three casting cost knights that aren't going to be played? I hope they are relevant
2: because I own a set of them <laughs> all right so, so to me, I hope they become very relevant That's my personal opinion plus the fact that um they have student of warfare. You know, that's already part of it. And there are. I mean, yeah, it needs some more help. It really does. But it does have some good cards for extended. I mean, you have Student of Warfare. You have uh, Knight of the Meadow Grain. You have Knight of the White Orchid. You have Seagull Paladin. You have Still Moon Cavalier. You know, that's not a bad way to start. You know what
0: would have topped it off that would have really helped it? If Mem Knight was a Knight.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, there's knight even in its name. I know. It's phonetically similar.
2: So,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, and it also had a Kithkin subtype, and it was also a core. <laughs> yeah, there you yeah, go. right. Yeah, and when it came into play, you attached all equipment to it. <laughs>
0: right, exactly. Yeah. And it was yeah. an ally. And, uh, ooh, yeah.
1: oh. <laughs> Uh, I think somewhere out there, somebody just got a Timmy boner, seriously. <laughs> so,
2: don't forget about the allies, absolutely. Support your local allies. So, somebody. what's up with this Phyrexian
0: Crusader? He he can't be, he's probably worse off than the other one, right? I mean, or is he?
2: No. no. Are you kidding me? Come on. You know how many people have zombie decks out there and knights decks out there? I mean, this is a, this is an answer. Well, not to mention
0: very relevant protections. I mean, he's already protected from Doomblades by being black, and then he's pro-red and white. So pretty much, what, into the royal? (laughs) That's pretty much the only way to get this guy out
2: of there. You can't. You can't. You can't hit it with a lightning bolt. You can't hit it with, you know, a journey to nowhere. You have to find another way to get rid of it.
1: Well, also, I think the first strike plus infect will make it extremely relevant because that means it can actually take down some other dudes. Yeah,
0: exactly. You don't even have to attack with him; he's just like perma blocker.
2: He's he's looking good in my infect deck. He's got a home for it. He's got a slot now. If they could have only made this a one casting cost one one with the same abilities, I would have been thrilled.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just don't see them doing something ridiculous like that anytime soon. No, just soon. for
2: one. You make him a one casting cost. You make him a one with the same abilities.
0: Right, with first strike, protection from red, and white, and infect. Yep. You Absolutely. realize he's a 2-2 two, two for three right now, right?
2: Yeah, so make them a one-one <laughs> one for one.
1: Well, okay. One problem with this card. <laughs> What's that? This is just like pure tea English major being pissed off at it. They use the term crusader. When I think of evil bastards, I really don't think of a crusader.
0: Yeah, I'd, I don't either really, but but maybe it's trying to say like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything yeah. for that. It just doesn't make sense, but I guess to the Phyrexians, he he's a crusader, right? It's a one man's freedom fighter kind of thing.
1: Man, you know, it's a good thing I'm on this podcast, because I like to make irrelevant comments about cards and their wording. Oh, God.
0: (laughs) No, man, it's totally cool. I I
1: bring so much. I really do. (laughs)
2: That's okay.
1: You you know what people would rather probably hear about, though, guys? Is worlds. Worlds, 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 worlds.
2: Yes, probably so. Um, Obviously, as you know, that... uh, uh, Brad Nelson and Guillaume Meton are going to go be playing at Pro Tour Paris. Hopefully not been proven yet but hopefully on hopefully to do it live um, because in my opinion it could be the highest watched uh, podcast show ever on you know, Wizard site because it is a Battle for Player of the Year.
0: Yeah, I think it's amazing. I think it's really cool that it came down to that. It's kind of unfortunate for Brad after the insane year he's had that it comes down to that, but then, you know, everyone has their opinions about that as well, so
2: True. But you know, all Brad had to do was come up with better than six and six and we wouldn't be having this conversation. If he was anything. I
0: think he just want wanted the challenge. I think he's I'm like, sure. what can I do to make sure that I tie, so we have the most dramatic finish in player of the year MTG player of the year history.
1: You know, it would be the only thing that could even make this like possibly better is if they had intro music.
0: <laughs> like, what kind of what kind of intro music would would uh, would they need? Like some Eye of the Tiger or something? It would
1: tiger have to be something. something that fits their personality, kind of like with wrestling. So, I don't know. What, what do you think would be good for Brad Nelson? Eye of the Tiger. Oh, yeah. There we go. Eye yeah. of the Tiger or a uh, Crazy Train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Absolutely. Don't ask me about the, uh, the other guy because I don't know anything about him to know what kind of music would be best to back his play.
2: Hell, you know. Uh, That's a very good question. I don't have any clue either. I just know that after my interview with Chapin that he's actually good friends with him and actually knows him quite well. Oh,
0: really? Yeah. Well, next time you talk to Patrick Chapin, you should say, hey, what kind of music should be his intro music?
2: Uh, Well, we'll do that. It'll probably be way, way after Worlds, though. Yeah. Or after Paris.
0: (sighs) Okay. So, yeah,
2: it was interesting. Um, I don't know how much of the... Uh, feed you guys watched the, the show the actual coverage it was actually really good and I stayed up till 2.33 in the morning till Paulo got knocked out which ironically, Paulo getting knocked out actually won me our competition but um
0: yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> nice, I was pretty happy about that
2: I was actually rooting for him so you know you can uh, um Count me as a person who's actually rooting for him. It was interesting. It was a fascinating event. And, of course, BDM and Rich Hagen, of course, were the absolute stars of the show. They, uh, made, they made it quite entertaining. And with the, all the historical stuff and the numbers they came up with, it was, it was quite, quite interesting.
0: Yeah, I would have liked to have caught more of the coverage, but wasn't really able to catch as much as I wanted to. And then it seemed like every time I was looking for updates on it, I was having trouble finding them, so I pretty much had to stick with Twitter for uh, updates, because when I was looking, they weren't really available. But, yeah, Um, I wasn't really checking at the times when the events were going on, though, so that didn't help.
2: Okay, well... But it was, it was still very good, and uh, Wizards, again, came up with great coverage thanks to BDM and Rich Hagen. So awesome. it was pretty good.
0: Now, I, I do hear there was some uh, interesting deck lists from Worlds, like uh, maybe an LSV deck list.
2: Yeah, LSV had a very rough day one, day two, and he was 6-6 going into day three. And then with his four color control extended, along with most of the rest of the Channel Fireball team outside of Conley, uh, he went six zero and moved himself up to twelve at, six at the end of Worlds by playing four color control, and it is a fascinating deck list of how they did it. And and it was funny because uh, there was talk about it, and they said just it was easy; just you just drop green. So
0: that makes sense
2: you know, like I said, he was able to run it to a six zero, and had anything broke better the first two days, he could have easily been top eight, easily been top eight. But, you know, that's kind of what I was planning on when he uh, when he was, when I picked him from my pool. So, but yes, it was, it was very good and he did very well and came through the last day with flying colors and I think you'll see a lot of people playing that four color control because there are a lot of people that love control and this is the way to do it.
0: Yeah man, absolutely. I I think it's a great idea to drop the 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 weakest color. Um I hadn't really thought about that. I was wondering why five color wasn't being played more, but that's that's cool, man. Definitely congrats to LSV on that 6 and 0 on for extended. That's pretty pretty good.
2: Yeah, they didn't do a deck tech on it because it wasn't, you know, anything spectacular new, but still you know, to do—I mean, really—to look at—if you look at the world's decks, you really worry about the decks that did really well, and then how many of them did really well to determine what is actually going to be effective. So
0: there yeah, were some think. interesting extended decks, though. I mean, it wasn't like there was—you know—there was there was nothing that was good. There were some really interesting decks, and I thought it was pretty cool to, uh, you know, like was it conley that that did the the combo deck with the necrotic ooze and and uh devoted druid quill spike etc yep. i mean that's
2: pretty sweet sending necrotic ooze up by 500% in one weekend oh really <laughs> nice <laughs> well those were literally in the dollar bin
0: he always drives the price of cards, man. Look at the Soul Sisters. Like, the Sarah Ascendant was worth, like, nothing before Conley played it, and then it jumped way up because he played it in a Soul Sisters deck. So,
1: And you know what's funny about that, though? Is Conley, like, he'll build decks just for what he thinks the meta is going to be like, and when people try to reconstruct his decks or actually, like, play them outside of that given meta, they don't always get the results that yeah. Conley did.
0: Uh, yeah, I completely agree with that. The the Soul Sisters was was actually it, it was a great budget deck for people because as much as I like hated the decks, I saw it constantly after, you know, after uh, he did it. Basically, it just seemed like it was all over the place, but it was still a great deck for them because it was easy to pilot and you it was it was effective, you know, if you, if you weren't prepared for it, it was probably going to stomp you in the face, and so I thought that was kind of cool, because that was one that people could pretty easily pick up and play, I mean, even when, uh, Flores played Chapin, Flores was using his, uh, his, uh, Pyromancer's Ascension deck, and he just got beat, like, five out of six games, or something like that, so... It's cool. He he does normally do like magical Christmas land. I remember people trying to play that against me and it just seemed so easy to shut down. But but the you know, he does usually create decks that are like just specifically for the meta every now and then he comes up with something that's just all around solid though. I mean, who's going to hate out Quill spike and devoted druid? I mean, really, you know.
2: Well, that's what makes him that's what makes him special as far as being a designer is is he's on the edge, and that's the beautiful thing oh he's so. special all right oh. they did didn't they dedicate a whole podcast to him on the a team or at least that's what the name of it said did it yeah Conley's beard <laughs> uh, i i didn't listen to it yet, and I apologize guys I have not listened to it yet, so yep. oh we were talking about Conley and uh, his extended deck with the Quill Spike and the Necrotic Ooze and the Devoted Druid and all that fun stuff that he was playing with. And again, driving up prices. And we talked about Soul Sisters and how he designed Soul Sisters and shot the price of, you know, uh, cards all over the place. And then when actually people play them, they realize they can't play them. Because
1: yeah.
2: it's it, ahead it's of the It's basically...
1: Curve. Right, and it's like, um, if we go back to Magical Christmas Lane, like, the entire meta was expected to be Jund at that event. I don't remember exactly which one it was right off the top of my head. And I was watching a video with him interviewed where he was just like, yeah, you know, Jund's mana base is crap. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Conley builds to prey on the meta, and dare I say it, like he's one of the more intelligent deck constructors out there.
2: You may dare. Yeah, he has no fear, that's for sure. So? Yeah, yeah, he has no fear as far as deck building goes. Yeah. And I give him credit for that because a lot of people would be um, timid to risk the things he does.
0: Well, you know who else is very good at deck construction? A Jack. gentleman named Patrick Chapin.
2: Oh, him? Yeah. I've I, heard of him.
0: I, I think that he just recently... Uh, talked to these guys that do this goofy Men of Magic
1: show.
2: Oh, Yeah, that that.
1: almost sounds like a swimsuit calendar, almost. (laughs) So, like, the guys in the Men of Magic, I wouldn't necessarily want to see in a Speedo. I
2: wouldn't either, and I'm one of them. (laughs) (sighs) Well, I
1: mean, you could always be Mr. December and have, like, the bearskin rug just, like, strategically covering up your body. Oh, If you want to be really modest, anyways.
2: Oh god! <laughs> oh, no, thanks. Yeah, thanks for not that. Not
1: exactly what I wanted to do. Thanks
0: so much yes, for that.
1: But this could be a great way to generate like revenue for the network. You got to think about it like that, man. It's not just. Don't think about it as you're going to be naked in front of other people. Think about it as you're going to be helping out the family shows on MTG Cast <laughs> with your nudity.
2: We want them to get money, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, no. No.
1: no. Well, see, no, the trick is there, we would actually set it up where people would have to pay us not to get it. Damn. Oh
0: yeah. That's that's a very valid point.
1: And tangent could be like Mr. November and I could be Mr. <laughs> October via Go Lantern. Ha ha ha. And anyway so okay, so Patrick Chapin was on the Venom Magic. <laughs> and yes, yes. then After that, which, by the way, I've not had a chance to listen to it yet, but I've no doubt in my mind that it's a wonderful show. More people should listen to The Men of Magic. Where can they listen to The Men of Magic, Robert?
2: On mtgcast.com. Which is? The mothership of all our podcasts.
1: One of the greatest places to go for podcasts on the Internet, right? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Because not only do you get our sexy voices, everyone, you get people like The Djinn and the spelt voice of Patrick Chapin.
0: And yes, good old Tom, the leader of the pack from Monday Night Magic.
1: Yeah, you, you get the you get the den mother, and oh yeah, and Chris Otwell Sometimes when he chooses the shy man. we love you, Chris. But <laughs> other than that, he did have a great video up on Channel Fireball. Uh, did you guys get a chance to watch it per se?
2: Yeah, I did. It was uh, it was an article about uh, draft cards, and it's funny how he interacts with Tristan. It just—it's so natural, and they have so much fun with it. Like, well, what are my rules for this? This like, isn't is like it? natural, like,
0: like Jack was talking about the calendar, right? Not that. No, kind of no, 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 no. Okay. This is
2: natural, as in actual smooth conversation. Oh, stumbling over yourself. Okay. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. Someone gets shot you know back there, or something? Uh, not my place. Jack, somebody get shot by you? Maybe it was Jack. <laughs> and we lost Jack again.
0: <laughs> all right. So anyway, you were <laughs> saying?
2: Yeah, he does an interview on Channel Fireball uh, for the ten best draft cards of all time, and it's a it's a fascinating interview. They go through bicolor and stuff like that, and he is in true Patrick Chapin form, just having fun, just laying it out there and having fun. It's it's a good ten minutes of time, and it's a lot of fun
0: that's awesome man well yeah definitely check that out pat chapin is <clears throat> he is the man dude he is he's not just the innovator but he's just one of the most entertaining people to listen to in all of magic as far as i'm concerned so um did we get jack back on
1: yes i am
0: welcome back
1: i know like it don't love technology honestly <laughs> that's two episodes in a row that stuff started screwing up when i've been around
0: well i think that the other one was for sure gavin though uh we oh, yeah, we, we pinpointed that beyond any doubt
2: Whoa, well, 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 i'm hearing something
1: i'm hearing something in the background well if you're hearing voices robert that's not a good thing That's <laughs> really time to step away from the microphone
0: uh, have you heard about LSV reflecting on worlds?
1: Absolutely not. Tell me about it, tangent. I'm going to put you on the spot for a change. <laughs>
0: uh, well, I, d- I have not heard about it. So I was not the one who added this the show notes. I was hoping that Robert would be able to tell us about
2: this. Well, as, as you know, I, my pick originally to win worlds was LSV, and he, like I said before earlier, he managed to finish twelve and six, and he needed a top sixteen to up to level eight, and all he needed to do was finish thirteen and five. It was interesting. Had he had he gone? He talks about, you know, how it was to have the whole year for him, and what he ran, and how much fun it is to run what he was running and and how difficult it is and goes through the decks that he thinks are interesting and extended. And then he talks about, um, you know, how things are going to go for next year for him and hopefully what his plans are. I mean, he'll make level eight next year, that's for sure. But obviously he wanted it this year because of the fact that. You get paid to go to all your events and so on and so
0: forth. Did he? Is he stuck on level six, or did he make seven? Seven. seven. So he's still getting paid. He's still getting paid, he's just not getting paid as much. Yeah. Yeah. But, but
2: obviously, as a goal, you obviously want to be, you know, level eight and have right. everything taken care of. As a goal, it's- I
0: would like to be a multimillionaire, but you know, I have to work on that. It doesn't come naturally for me.
2: That's true. But he does go through a series of decks. Uh, that he talks about and what he played and how it went. And then he runs through some goals for next year and what he plans to do. And, and honestly, I mean, you know, anytime you go to Worlds and you're a player, you're obviously your objective is to win and to have such a great day three and not to get the satisfaction out of it that one more win would have gotten out of it. And at least if he would have gone thirteen five and finished in the top sixteen, he could have said, "Hey, look, I made level eight. I may not have made top eight, but I made level eight right so, but overall it's another another quality run for him because you know finishing in the top you know thirty is no crying shame at worlds period no man. so
0: he's he's amazing i I still personally believe that if he wanted to he could do better than he does. I, I feel like he he uh, spreads a lot of his uh, his time and effort onto a lot of different things. If he wanted to focus all of his attention on becoming player of the year, I think he could do that. The year that he won uh, Grand Prix Berlin, he he was leading the player of the year race for a long time, and he just you know he he wasn't able to pull it off. But I, I felt like he kind of, he was just like top aiding everything. And then he just, he I don't know if he, you know, stopped putting forth the effort that he was putting forth. But he seemed to be really focused on like the channel fireball things. And it just seemed like his attention was kind of more elsewhere. I don't know if that's true or not. But I just, he's one of those people that you feel like when his head is truly in the game, he's just going to roll and you know i feel like he could go like brad nelson one year if he really wanted to and just stomp the whole the whole format but or the whole you know tournament scene basically for the whole year really
2: well ironically you should say that because i will bring that question up to him because sometime in the beginning, after the beginning of the new year, he will be on the men of magic with us. Awesome! Man. So I will bring that question up to him. If you'd like to talk about, you know, what he thinks about, you know, what his plans are and goals are for 2011 and so on forth, and I could I could bring up the question about how it went that year with Worlds and so on and so forth with him finishing very close to Player of the Year. I can. I have no yeah, question. I, I mean, have no that's problem totally bringing cool, up questions of people to challenge them. Good. You
0: know? That's the way it should be.
2: Yeah. You know, I try to bring up I try to bring I try to bring up as much stuff as I can to push you know, push at people and get stuff that you would might not know. And I, you know what, honestly? When I ask him I may ask him, I say, you know, my co host says that, you know, are you potentially spreading yourself too thin? And he may come he may say no and you know, this is the way I enjoy doing it and or he may Whatever I'm, and
0: I believe I'm that I believe that. that's the way he enjoys doing it. I think that i just I feel like he is so good that when he's really on and really f- focusing on what he's doing that he wins and, and you know he doesn't necessarily have to win first place, of course, that's too unpredictable to be able to say that, but it seems like he makes a fair very fair share of top eights when he is really putting forth the effort. And then it seems like sometimes it's just not quite as big of a deal to him. You know.
2: Well, I'm going to ask you this because it was the same question that was brought up in our interview with Patrick Chapin. Paulo is 23 years old. He is currently over 230 points lifetime. Okay. He could have easily, if had he got past uh, the eventual winner, he could have been player of the year. He's 23 he has enough points to way beyond enough points to qualify for the Hall of Fame, right? Patrick Chapin put him in his top eight of all time players, and he's 23 years old. Yeah what what is what's the limit for him?
0: Well, I don't think there I don't think there is one. I think the limit is his drive and ambition. You know, if he if, because of the fact that he started all this stuff when he was so young, is he going to get burned out, or is he? Does he just have this intense love for the game and a desire to win that he's going to keep going until he's one of one of the best, if not the best, of all time? You know, and that's that's definitely a possibility.
2: When you hear words out of someone's mouth like Kai being on the same level as Kai. I mean, that's that's hollowed ground. That is the top of the magic mountain. And you're putting someone who's 23 years old on that same mountaintop, potentially. Right. Is insane. I mean, you could be looking at, potentially, between Brad Nelson, because Brad Nelson is very young, and him this could be the next 10 years of magic
0: well see you, you have this problem when it comes to that and it's not it's not just in in magic but it's in all things it's in sports it's in whatever um, where the players of today and the newer pe- the newer players the newer people in the game always want to dub someone else someone as the the, the, the best or the next best or you know, People might say oh l s v he's you know one of the greatest of all time already, right, even though he hasn't really been around that long, and people could say that, but then you've but then the question is you know is it because of the fact that we don't see past our the nose in front of our face you know is it because we we are always looking at the now and we forget about the things that happened ten minutes ago." So so you have that side of things but then at the same time you have the old timers like like say if you if you take Mike Flores for instance someone who's been around a long time Mike Flores you know on his own on the top 8 magic he has said that that he believes that the magic players of today are just not as good as the magic players from back in the day and it's like okay but what are you basing that off of like or, you know, he, he basically said, him and, uh, and uh, BDM were saying, you know, well, if you put the top five from back then versus the top five from today, the top five from today would get stomped. And it's like, well, you don't know that. You're just saying that. And the reason why is because you've got these this, like, fantasy view of of what things were like back then it's it's the same way like with the people of today they're like oh this guy's the best ever but he doesn't they don't know what the people were like back then it's it's the same way in sports you know is tom brady one of the best quarterbacks of all time or do it's we just
2: Yeah, exactly. Things look great.
0: Exactly. Nostalgia makes things look great. Go back and watch some of the movies you remember being like amazing from when you were a kid, and I guarantee that there's some of them that will just hold that emotional appeal to you, and you'll still love them. And others, if you haven't seen them for a very long time, you will go, oh my God, I liked this movie. You know, it's just the way it is. Like People always want to remember things from the past as being so spectacular, but then at the same time, there are those people that, that are always quick to say, oh, this is the best thing ever, forgetting about all the things that came before it. You have to have a happy medium. And I think Paulo is one of those people that will transcend. He will be, I think he's, he will be one of the greats of all time. I don't think that, that that's uh, stepping on anyone's toes from back in the day to be able to say that.
2: It's so funny because when you talk about him, It's like people almost think of, wow, he hasn't won a player of the year yet. Like, it's almost to be expected. And in his case, I I don't doubt that he will win at least one player of the year uh, just because of how consistent he is when he plays. I mean, that's the one thing you really can't argue with him is that he is constantly putting day twos together and doing whatever it takes to get the points he needs. And then, of course, you know, on the biggest stage, of course, you know, he's rolling through on the number one seed. It just it amazes me. It well, yeah. really does, and he's 23.
0: And he almost helped me uh, get to, almost helped me make number one of the Mana Screwed Worlds draft pool, but unfortunately... Right at the end, I fell to one Roberto.
1: <laughs> Yay. How did you do, I, by I the way, Jack? Up. You
0: actually, I think, I think uh, ended up ahead of the person who came up with the draft.
1: Yeah, I mean, isn't it kind of funny that, in all due respect to Chris, I like him a lot, but at first he scoffed at my strategy of just picking the guy with the funniest <laughs> name, and yet here I am, and I obviously know how to choose my players
2: quite better. Ironically, the guy was, the guys with the funniest names actually did really well for you.
1: I know, I was absolutely shocked. Tittatera, uh, yep. uh, rastaporn, and then we had another one that his name was so long he could only have the first initial. Yes. Oh, yeah, th- those guys got that working, I'm telling <laughs> you, man. Like, and, I mean, you know, maybe next time we talk to Chris, I can give him a few pointers on picking out a draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. oh, I hope oh, he yeah, listens to this. <laughs> the, all the hate mail I'm going
2: to be getting this week is going to be from Chris, nobody else. Well, the good thing about it is, is you talked about your 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 goofy draft people, and then I went through the results of what they did, and, Jack, you had – your first pick, Ben Stark, finished 145th. And then the finished 128. And Sam Black finished 55. And Ruel finished 238. And uh, then we get down to the people that you actually picked. Your Groffensteiner? He finished, finished 31st. And, really? Yep. And your Tech, blah, 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 he finished 81st. And then your Russian finished 75th. And that's what helped you get to third.
1: Go, Groffensteiner!
0: <laughs> nice job.
1: Seriously, after we did the podcast, I yeah. just stopped keeping up with it. And I, I bragged about how weird some of the names were, and that was it.
2: <laughs> well, ironically, it was it was Tangent's first pick, which was Paolo, that got him third. And his fourth pick, which was Josh Sutter layton And Matt Sperling, who was his last pick... <laughs> Oh, I know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Matt Sperling did really good.
2: That except was for, except for your only thing was is that is that you had wildly inconsistent things. See, my guys were thirty fourth, forty eighth, 41st, forty first, 19th, and then my Zing Zang, which was one hundred sixty fifth, and my sixtieth, two sixty four, and thirty eight. It was consistency that one. Yeah, 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 Consistency. yeah. Consistency. Nah, Consistently yeah,
0: yeah. a yeah, pain in my ass. I think so I was too.
2: Wrecked.
1: Well, I mean, Robert, look, because you know caused much them... about you. So yeah, maybe hypothetically, you were at Worlds and you were like, "Hey, I'll put a little cash under the table if you like
2: take a dive." I don't know. Oh yeah, like if I'm gonna go there, believe me, I'm not gonna be slipping people cash under the table. I'm gonna be jumping in front of the camera.
0: <laughs> 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 well, maybe that's what it is. Maybe you uh, you. Jumped wait, wait, wait! Pr- then
2: how come you won't jump
1: in front of the camera for the calendar then?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, because you know—that's what he did. He
0: threatened that. him with the calendar. That's what it was.
1: <laughs> yeah. All the uh huh. S- well, what, what if? What do you? How about this? What if we make the calendar at Worlds
2: next year? Is that like?
1: Is it? Yeah. Like, is that a good happy medium? <laughs> oh,
0: <man. laughs> oh, it's happy. All right, it's happy. <laughs>
2: Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: so uh what's what's so up with let's this let's talk
2: about Jack into Atlanta. Ah,
1: do we have to talk about Atlanta? Cuz I'm already disappointed with myself for conceding that fish was bad.
2: That's only because you're not doing it in so- memory of our fallen hero.
1: <laughs> okay, so this yeah, is M- Mr. Sato Sato Hido Hido. Well, you know, actually if I was going to play fish, I would play it exactly to the letter like he does. Because he's a role model. And just as slow.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm not sure I really know what that card does. Could you show it to me again? Oh, oh, I have so much fun with that. Anyways. She's a so, Mind
2: Sculptor. Uh, I've never seen this card before. <laughs>
1: unfortunately, now I actually have. Um, oh, okay. That's, that, that's funny, Robert. That's funny. Oh.
2: <laughs>
1: I, I don't know who... Okay, so anyways, basically. <laughs> uh, yeah. GP Atlanta is in January. And I'm going to be going, and I'm going to scrub out, absolutely, because I was going to play fish, but now I'm going to be a moron and play fairies instead. And I would love to talk about my deck list, but see, we have a couple of 12-year-olds that are actually on the podcast with me, Um, despite his appearance tangent, just shaves regularly since he was five, and, you know, Robert's not actually a full adult male yet. So, anyways, uh, let's go over the deck list a little bit, shall we? Yes. Yes. Uh, can I say the actual names of these, but uh, considering we're on a channel fireball now?
0: I, I, I think you're going to have to say what you put down and not what, what Roberto obviously changed oh. them to.
1: Well, see, there's going to be a problem, though, because I'm going to be reading over these, and I know I'm going to trip up and
0: say it. <laughs> well, do okay, your best, but, Jack. Gonna,
1: you know what? I have the deck in front of me. How about I just do that instead? <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, don't, don't change it now. Oh, oh Robert. See, like this is bad because these guys can actually see our show notes and they can't see what you're calling these cards. So anyways, well plus oh, the spelling is bad enough as it
0: is. I mean, come on.
1: Alright, so I looked at the list from Worlds and I was like, wow. That handles absolutely everything that fairies could have going on with it, and like I was enjoying the video that uh, Randall was in, where they were doing the deck tech with it, and I was like, "Wow, you know, uh, hey, three disfigures. I've got two smothers. I've got that too. Hey, I've got these bitter blossoms. Yay!" And then they get down to the bottom, and there's that card at the bottom of it. Do you guys know what card I'm talking about? What card's
0: that? This one here?
1: Oh yeah. Jace the Mind Sculptor. And then <laughs> that's immediately not what I'm that like, said.
2: Because
1: that's the one card I didn't have for the deck. And I got to thinking about it. And, and well, fairies basically did everything that fish could possibly do and better. And there were several different versions of fish where they ran Molten Tail Masticore. Or they did this or they did that. And... I finally realized that I was going to be grinding my gears, absolutely, to figure out a way to make fish work in time for the GP. So instead of just straight out playing that deck because I believed in it, I decided to play fairies. Um, because I would waste a heck of a lot less time on it. And especially with my build, I mean, I don't have the Jaces. I picked up one very, very reasonably. I don't want to say cheaply, because with Jace, cheap is a very relative thing. (laughs) Um... They, oh, oh! You picked up a Jace for uh, seventy dollars. Not what I paid, but oh, that's great, dude! That's a buy. Um. Anyways, so my deck list runs as such: four Thought Seizes three Inquisition of Kozlik four Bitter Blossom, three Vendillion Click, four Spell Sutter Sprite, four Mistbind Click, three Disfigures, two Smothers, a Doom Blade, three Cryptic Commands, three Mana Leak, and one Jace the Mind Sculptor. Is there any kind of alterations or
2: anything you guys could see that would work? The only thing you could think of is they did a deck tech on it, and what you can sideboard is what they did is they used the, um, they took out the clicks, they took out the sprites, and they left just the Bitter Blossoms, and they used Bitter Blossoms and um, Polymorph, to turn into Emercall,
0: yeah, that's that's even more that's even more different than that though, isn't it? I mean that that yeah. really is like a Bitter Blossom and Polymorph deck, which is is another idea. And and the thing that's cool about that deck, I think, if I remember correctly, is like you can sideboard in the rest of the fairies to just go with a fairy deck if you need to. If yes, I remember correctly,
2: you are right. But if you run it this way, you run it. The way Jack has it, they're going to think you're just running a straight fairies deck, right? And then you switch it the other way, and you're going to catch people off guard. Yeah, that guys, that aspect
0: of it's cool.
1: I thought a transformative cyborg was actually a good idea, but that seems like it could almost work.
0: Yeah, it, it did work, and, and it's it's a really solid idea. I, I I like fairies the way that they are. I think they're one of the most solid decks. But but. I think that also when people plan on fairies being in there, they can be hated out. So it's it's really good to be able to have this other idea that that uh, Beamy's talking about here to be able to, you know, I mean, you're really throwing them for a loop if you do something like that. And half well, the time, true. from what I understand, the Bitter Blossoms won it anyway. So.
1: Oh yeah, Bitter Blossom definitely wins you the game. And I mean, Miss Spine Click, like, I mean, it's the beater, but Bitter Blossom is what drives the deck. But I've considered the fact that Fairies is extremely easy to hate out, not only just with Volcanic Fallout and Great Sable Stag, but just, like, a lot of different cards in general. Right. Which is why I have so many, like, hand manipulation effects going on main deck. I mean, Inquisition of Kozlik might as well be, like, a slightly weaker version of Thoughtseize. It can grab yeah. so much relative stuff in the meta. Yeah, And that coupled with the uh, first with thought i was like i'm not sure i really want to run that many just because of the drawback of losing two life plus the fact you're slowly killing yourself the entire game but it's like when randall was in the video he said you know that's that's really what you want to go with you can't look at thought simply as oh you get to make them discard a card it's that's a kill spell that's yep. uh something that actually removes great sable stack it's everything it's yeah. almost more important than better blossom arguably
0: oh i hate i it's it's always been like when people would always come up with like a top 10 most annoying cards. I'd, I'd always like email them and say, how can you not put Thoughtseize in there? Like, like I, I appreciate what Thoughtseize done, does, but I hate it more than like almost any other card. When I'm sitting there and I draw my cards and I'm looking at a hand, I'm just like, oh my god, this is like the perfect hand. I've been waiting for this hand all day. And all of a sudden it's turn one, Swamp Thoughtseize, and I'm like... F Come you, on. dude. Like, I just hate you right now. You know, I mean, there's just that just kills you. It just tears your heart out. I mean, granted, you've got more cards in your deck. That you, I mean, you're hopefully not relying on one card. But it's just the idea. It's like, you know, th- someone just taking exactly what you want out of your hand and you not being able to do a dang thing about it just yep. aggravates the crap out of me.
1: Well, what do you think would be more annoying though on turn one, uh, that or Dark Ritual into him to Turok?
0: Well, it's, yeah, I mean, we can get like you know go all the way back, but I'm saying like yeah, I within mean,
1: recent memory thoughts. Within
0: recent on memory thoughts, yeah, I mean uh, you could you could do a lot worse things than that too, but but. Definitely Thoughtseize is a, is a very annoying card to play against. It's one of my top ten. I mean, it's like, you know, people love or hate Jace the Mind Sculptor, but it's kind of oh, the I same hate thing. I Jace the
1: Mind Sculptor, but I'm having to play with it anyways. Argh, yeah, not, exactly. Go all off on that <laughs>
2: <day>. <laughs> Selling your soul to the devil.
1: It's not even the fact that it's $80 on the secondary market, or cheaper depending on where you go. It is the fact that if you, like jace the mind sculptor is like an ex-girlfriend okay you don't have to play with him, but sometimes you really should if that makes any sense <laughs> and if you have access to it why wouldn't you play with it in the first place <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, and on that note uh with jace the mind Sculptor, maybe someone will be nice enough to send you jace the mind sculptor for christmas
1: Yes, yeah, speaking of which, um so randomly, about a month ago, I decided that there was some stuff I needed for Savra. However, you know, I had to buy Christmas presents and I had to like get pay for insurance, and you know I have a car, so sometimes I like to drive that car and Between all this, I occasionally sneak in a meal. I don't just run on coffee despite appearances. And so I post it up on my Tumblr. I'm like, you guys, I would really like it if you guys could buy me some of these cards. I had a few expensive ones on there like Maelstrom Pulse and Smokestack. And I think there was something else on there that was 10 (laughs) bucks. But the rest of them were like dollar commons or dollar rares, right? And so this guy on Twitter sends me a message, and he's like, well, hypothetically speaking, if I wanted to send you some cards for Christmas, how would I do it? And I was like, well, the only prerequisite is that you don't rate me in my sleep, and here's my address. (laughs) So I would like to give an enormous shout-out to Ben. Ben went way above and beyond the Call of Duty and proved to me yet again that the most important thing in Magic is not the cards, it's not like who's player of the year, it's not the results from Worlds, it's nothing like that. The most important thing to this game, gentlemen, is community. Without community magic would be absolutely nothing, which is why it's very important that we have people who benefit the community and do things for the good of the community, right?
0: I completely agree. And so are we talking about Ben, like the infamous Ben from every like podcast? Like who writes oh. into like uh is it just on what what show was he just on? Um ugh. God, I can't remember. Okay,
1: I'm I'm going to probably totally mispronounce his name, but it's Arundet? Arundet?
0: Hmm. Okay, maybe not then. Uh cool. Well, uh that's awesome, man. And you know, with this whole community thing that you're referring to, I wanna go ahead and talk a little bit about the community. Especially in this time of year where it's a time forgiving and helping other people you know so they say anyway i don't do it but you know that's what people say they do right and you know we've got us here on this show and we do this show we don't get paid for it we do it and we do it for the good of the community we want to give something back you've got these people that are say like we'll say pros. I'm not going to name any names, but pros or high-level people in the game that really pretty much think they're better than everyone else. Um, and this isn't applying to everyone. I just want to make a statement about how this affects Robert. the game. Um, yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, so the thing is, is you got these. You know, I know this guy. This well, it's a kid actually, but I know this kid who went up to a pro at a GP and asked for his autograph and he asked the pro asked the kid for money. And I've seen I've seen that before. I've seen pros pros ask for autograph or for money when signing autographs. I've seen pros ask for money when wanting a photograph taken. There's been pros that ask for money when it comes to doing interviews and things like that. And all I can say is it's really jacked up, in my opinion, that, that these people who make money off of this game that we all love, rather than just doing something to give back to the community, just giving you know, a moment of their time to try and help back the community, give back to those people that actually, that actually give a crap about them, they will say basically F you. And, and I think it's messed up because these all these people, you know, people that look up to them that just want a moment of their time, you know, whether it be to, to talk to them, whether it be to get an autograph, whether it be to do an interview, whatever, it doesn't matter. But they won't do this unless they have money. That's that That to me is about as low as it gets. It's really messed up. I understand that everyone's different, right? But you, right. Th- we do understand that these are magic players, right? I mean, they precisely. think they they're think They're like
1: even really, to be blunt, they're not famous. They're magic famous. No, they're only
0: like, famous to magic players. That's precisely. the only people they're famous to. I mean, seriously, them thinking that they're too good for someone is about, like, saying that you're the smartest kid on the short bus. It really doesn't make much sense, right? I mean, it's like, okay, yeah. so you're so cool, but you're the coolest person in the magic crowd? I mean, I'm a magic player, right? And I don't go around saying that I'm the coolest magic player, because that just is like, you know, I mean, no. that's that's yeah. like saying that you're the, the thinnest person on fat island. It just doesn't make any, it's like, who cares? Right, People... you know, being the
1: thinnest person on Fat Island would be a bad way to be because what if winter comes and they can't get food? Your skinny ass is going to go first.
0: <laughs> mm, you look like dinner. yeah, exactly. But,
1: no, Tangent, I totally agree with you. And like, the thing that irritates me the most about it is it's it's so douchebaggy. And this is coming from a professional antagonist, okay? Like, I'll never forget when we were in Charlotte, like a couple months back. And somebody came up to me, and they saw the back of my shirt, and I had wrote, like, the most hated man in magic on it and Sharpie, and I, I looked really pathetic. And he looks at me, and he goes, you're Jack. And I looked at him, and I was like, yeah, dude. And he goes, oh, man, I listen to your podcast every week. And, like, I was flattered that somebody even, like, took the time to come up and tell me that they, they enjoyed the show, you know? Yeah. And as a pro, like, when you have somebody that comes up to you and they're like, Oh, man, I watch all your stuff on Channel Fireball, and I watch you all over, like, the mothership and everything. Dude, you're great. You have the gall to actually look them in the face and say, well, if you want my autograph, that's going to be 20 bucks. I mean, Yeah. How, how dare you, as a human being, do that to somebody? And it's like I've said before, too. There's not a lot of young kids that play Magic. But there are, like, kids up at my local store that are 10 and 12 years old, and, like, they look up to these pro players, you know? Yeah. And, like, you set a horrible example, not just as a role model, but as a human being when you do stuff like that. And once again, going back to being, like, the coolest person in the magic community. Okay, there's maybe, I'd say probably five people in the magic community, okay, that are famous enough, without being John Finkel or Richard Garfield, to legitimately say, "Hey, I would like to be paid for my time."
0: Yeah, man, that's true, the, but most of those people of would who, do it for free. That's the yeah. thing. It's these it's this subclass, dude, that thinks that they're so much better than everyone else that they need to to ask for. And that's I guess the key is, you know, whoever the, the you know the people are that want these people's autograph or want these people's time or want these people's interview, if a person actually says, "Hey, well, that's going to cost you." You know what? That person is obviously not good enough at what they're doing to where they have to charge you for your freaking autograph or your freaking interview or your freaking whatever it is that you're trying to do. They're clearly not good enough at whatever they're doing or they wouldn't have to ask for money. Like, they they can, whatever, man. It's just not worth the time.
2: I mean, most of the people that we've, I mean, most of the pros I've met have all been very gracious. And you know, and you know granted their schedule it 's tough when you 're at a tournament, but most pros i 've run into they 've been you know more than willing to talk to you, say hello, do whatever i mean, and there 's a small percentage in it, no matter where you go, no matter what you do I mean there are people in life that are always going to be you know obstinate about things and difficult and that and that 's very true it's just it's it 's just sad when it affects you know kids i mean cause, you know that's the the youth of anything keeps a sport going yeah yeah they can go,
0: exactly well, i mean in general just like you said there is going to be this certain amount of people and i know that we'll get some hate back you know well who are you to say what someone should do with their time or whatever and if they want to charge for it that's their right of course it's their right but it's also my right to say that they're being a jerk off about it too it's my right to say, you know what, that's great if they want to do that, but they're still being jerks because they should be willing to give back. All of us who who haven't been making money off of the sport, who haven't been doing all that they've done as far as playing, and who haven't been getting all the attention and publicity that they've gotten, all of us are spending our time, our precious time, which is worth money, okay, to... To do a show for free to give back to the community. My time is worth a lot, okay? But I do it for free and I don't ask for anything in return. And if someone ever wanted me to come on their show, I would never, it doesn't matter how big I ever got, I would never turn them down. If I didn't have time, I would just say, I'm sorry, I just don't have time right now. And that's really all you have to say. But asking for money, you know, if someone said, hey, I'll give you, you know, five hundred bucks to come do this this interview. I'd be like, well, yeah, you know, I, me up. yeah, yeah. I'm not going to turn it down. But if someone just asked me to to come and you know give them an autograph or or you know take a photo with them or whatever, I'm not going to turn them down for that. It's ridiculous.
2: I'll tell you one of the most humbling experiences I had when I was in <clears throat> Toronto was when. Kerry Dan, who does the A team editing, came up to me and said, "I want your autograph." And I looked at him. I said, "Me?" I said, "Seriously?" I mean, you know, there's Conley. No, that's awesome. There's Louis But Yeah, you don't you don't expect that. And well, I like, see, I, sure,
0: you don't expect it, but you know what? Like to me, there's certain there's certain pros that it would be it would be cool to meet up with, you know, shake their hand. Like you know, I met up with Conley and everything, and and got to say hi to him and stuff. But but when it comes to to, like, who I'd actually care. Like, if I had a playmat, the the short list of autographs that I would want on it, and this is only for personal reasons, just because of the fact that these people actually matter to me, are, like, mm-hmm. you, Jack, like, Jay Bush, and, and Scotty, Smitty, and, and KYT, people that are actually friends of, of mine, that I consider to be friends, that, you know, that are... Uh, to me, above and beyond. Like, I, I, don't, I don't... The celebrity thing just doesn't fly very well with me in the first place. So the people that matter, are the people that I listen to every day, the voices I recognize, the people that... You know, I mean, these people have had an impact on me. Someone playing a magic game, regardless of how good they are, unless they've done something to give back to the community, that person doesn't make really a whole hell of a lot of difference in my life.
2: Well, I have, I do have Scotty Max autograph and KYT autograph on my map, on my map from GP Toronto. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's,
1: it's funny you guys say this because the playmat I carry around the most is, um, we've got a little, real small little local store and I mean, the owners have changed hands a couple of times and the name has changed about three or four times, but the crowd has always been the same, you know? And we're just a real small, tight-knit group of guys, and I literally probably would have never met these guys if I hadn't started going to these card- this card shop, and like, it doesn't even matter that we were playing Magic, just we had something to connect with, and like, through like, playing games with them, I've met some of the most amazing people like, that I've ever had as friends. And so on my playmat, it's battered and beaten all to hell, but I've got their signatures on it. And it's like, it's awesome, man. Billy Ray Crawford, yeah, and like Jeff and a couple of other people from my store, and they're just, they're great guys. I mean, if I had a choice between having a playmat with, like I said, Finkel, Conley, and everybody else on it, though I do like Conley, he's really nice. Um, If I don't, Brown knows him enough in the show, anyways. (laughs) Um, If I had a choice between like a playmat covered with that and then like, one covered with my friend's signatures, and then, of course, you two and a little heart off to the side. <laughs> I definitely picked the one with my friends just because that's the whole heart of the game. It doesn't matter what you, how much money you make playing Magic. It doesn't matter what you do with your quote-unquote professional Magic career. What matters is that, like, your interactions with other people and, like, what you do when you meet those people.
0: Yeah, man, I totally agree with that that's that's what it, to me that's what it's all about, and it is about the community like you were saying earlier, you know magic is successful in surviving because of the community, not because of the pros and it's like if I had a play mat, it, it would be signed by the people that really matter to me there's a lot of people out there that that listen to these podcasts that you know if they if they had the ability to get the autograph of the gin or or let's just say in general, regardless of autographs that That the people that listen to these podcasts, many of them and there's a huge number of people that listen to these things uh, many of them would recognize and appreciate meeting the people from the from this group of podcasts more than some random pro because were the voices that that they hear. And I'm not just, I'm not talking about me necessarily. I'm talking the gin, you know. I mean, there's so so many people that are so recognizable. Tom, you know, different people that they would like to meet because they hear them all the time. And these people are celebrities in their own way. And they matter more because they're the ones who provide the entertainment for them. And I, I really can't imagine someone going up to Tom and saying, Hey, really nice to meet you. Can I get a picture with you? And him saying, Yeah, ten bucks. You know
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just I just yeah. want you to pick the <laughs> oh, eye boogers funny. off my cat.
0: That's all I want.
1: <laughs> no, but
2: it is funny because when I was in Toronto, you saw these people, they would go up to they would go up to Scotty and they'd say Scotty, hey, how 's it going?" you know I the eighteen podcast, and they were at what episode ten I think back then or nine or yeah not, yeah. not, not, not nothing huge and they're like, sign my playback and it's like I saw him at least sign at least probably maybe a dozen and it 's like you know he was just like super humble about it and like shocked, and you know, he took pictures, and you know it was it was really neat to see that people really appreciate. You know what they do, and it's always fun. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, yeah, I mean, it is it an ego boost, yeah, for like about a half a second, and then you realize, wait a minute, <laughs> you know it's just an autograph, but I don't know, people have funny ways of looking at things, and you know the the more unusual the people react towards things negatively, the worse off it is for everybody because we all lose.
1: Oh, yeah, man, everybody, for sure.
2: Everybody loses when, it, when, it, when people act that way. Everybody loses.
1: Now, that being said, though, guys, I mean, if people do feel like donating to the podcast in any <laughs> way, shape, or form for the time that we have committed to the show every week, because as Tangent pointed out, our time is worth quite a bit of money. Please send four hundred dollars in uncirculated bills <laughs> to MTG Cast Network at five 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 five.
2: Uh yeah, send no, it in that to, new uh, Christmas no, no, money. No. All they gotta do is send us chips from the Bellagio. You know, we'll take ten thousand dollars chips from the Bellagio. We're okay with that too. Yeah, send yeah, it, that works. Send it to MTG Cast, care of Tom. <laughs> 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 oh,
0: nice. So uh, do we have anything else going on tonight? I think that's pretty no, I, much it on my agenda.
2: I think we're good. I think we hit everything up that uh, we really wanted to.
0: So, uh, Jack, where can they re- can the listeners reach you if they want to hate on you about all this?
2: Oh, I know they're going to be like, I can't
1: believe you charged me 20 bucks the last... Okay. (laughs) Anyways, if you folks really desperately want to reach me for any reason, or send me $400 in uncirculated bills, (laughs) feel free to hit me up at jack at mtgcast.com you can also follow me on twitter at jack Lacroix. however i'm going to put a warning up um my blog is also tied into my twitter account and my blog is not always work safe which (laughs) is ironic because people go to it now because it's not work safe and i do a babe of the day but that being said those are the easiest ways to get a hold of me um i can't promise that i'll respond immediately but i will always respond to any email or feedback i get
0: okay so those people from two years ago can expect the uh the feedback any day now then I assume.
1: Yeah, the, the, especially the episode where I first premiered on Monday Night Magic and people were wanting me to die. <laughs> yeah, I think I think day there's day still
0: now. emails from me floating around about that one. Oh, any day, <laughs> Luckily day you've day come now. a long way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, it, it's been a lot of work though but what about you Robert where can they
2: hit you up well you can hit me up here at manscrewed at gmail.com and if you want to uh, proceed to um, give us comments thoughts always post stuff on the forums we we do we do tend to respond fairly quickly on the forums if you do post comments on it and yeah that's the best way to reach us is at manscrewed at com.
0: awesome And, uh, yeah, go ahead and uh, hit hit me up on Twitter, TangentDYN or TangentDYN on MTGO. Uh, I know that uh, Roberto is also on Twitter. Yep. Did you already give that? Okay, the beamy. yes. Yes. And, uh, anyway, so I think we're pretty much done for the week. I did want to give a couple shouts real quick. I want to say, if you haven't listened to the Commander cast yet, it's a really awesome show. Uh, I've, I've meant to, like, pimp them for a couple weeks now, and I keep forgetting about it. Um, you know, lately I've been playing a little bit more Commander, and I think it's really cool that these guys have have taken up the mantle that keeps getting dropped constantly by other shows. Uh, I hope they stick around, because they do a really good job. And they're only on episode, like, seven, but it's it's a really well done. They have a good format. Uh And other than that, MTG Explosion number four is up, so check it out. Uh, I don't care what you say. If you don't like it, then you're just a moron. So anyway, uh, Jack, Roberto, any shouts?
1: Go ahead, Jack. You first. Uh, Big shout-out to Robert's mother and Tangent's mother. Um, Other than that, once again, huge, enormous shout-out to Ben. That was far above and beyond the Call of Duty for any listener of any show to... Send me stuff out of both their own money and their own collection. Call of Duty, that's a um, good game. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty big. That you know, you just you really don't expect random kindness from strangers, especially on the internet. I'm still kind of hoping he's not going to come rape me, but I'm going on the notion that he's not going <laughs> to do that because it was a nice gesture. No,
0: he just yeah. sits or outside your like, window, man. It's well, no big deal.
1: Well, maybe he's like going to give me the cards, and the, anyways, uh, let, let's stop <laughs> there. Uh, as always. um... Huge shout out to Red Planet Games and Hobbies in Sunny 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 Forest City, North Carolina, which is where I play every week. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much it.
2: Awesome. Uh, I'd like to give shout outs to uh, the uh, our friends at Channel Fireball for being awesome, for working with us, for helping us out, for you know doing their part to help the Magic community. Um, Also, by the time you hear this podcast we will more than likely be recording the Men of Magic with Tristan Sean Gregerson from Channel Fireball and giving you all the inside scoop on what is going on within the Channel of Fireball universe. Yeehaw! Um, so give you some humor.
0: Awesome, so, man.
2: Yes, and then, you know, thank our usual friends and listeners to the show, and remember, send your comments, emails, mayaskrewgmail.com, and please feel free to post on the forums because we do respond to most of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so, anyway.
2: All right, cool.
0: Well, until next week, I think we're going to be done. We're wrapping this episode number 33 up. Uh, Look forward to, you know, talking with you guys again next week. Until then, I am Tangent. I'm the Beamy. And this is Jack, ladies.
1: (laughs) And we are out later.